0: An unmatched dual threat. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. what's going on good people welcome back this is destination Devi. i am your host of this here thing that we do ray g you can find me on twitter at ray gq make sure you're following the show at destination Debbie on twitter you can find us on instagram as well as youtube go over there and subscribe look i see how many thousands of you listen to this show Go to YouTube and hit subscribe, damn it. If you don't want to watch the videos, fine, but you rock with me, you support the Destination Devi movement, go to YouTube, hit subscribe, and give it a thumbs up. I promise you, you'll like the content. It's Dynasty, it's Devi, it's Redraft, it's Rookie Talk, it's all of that to help you be better in Devi and Dynasty, but go subscribe to the channel. We greatly appreciate that, but let's jump right into it. This is the mailbag episode, courtesy of my fellow squad members, the patrons over there, patreon.com. Dot com forward slash all gas got a lot of good questions so let's jump right into it. This question comes from coach RETZLAFF1. Which rookies are you swimming against the stream regarding the blanket fade all rookies narrative? Yes. Fade all rookies in year 1, right? You don't want any rookies in their first year, they're not going to produce, historically it doesn't happen. There's a lot of rookies that I'm that I'm that I'm very high on for the 2020 season. In seasonal leagues and in dynasty leagues, but we'll just keep it with the redraft purpose. And I think uh, two of the two of the top guys uh, from the wide receiver position are Justin Jefferson and, and Jalen Rager. Both of those wide receivers have an opportunity. I know Adam Thielen is in Minnesota. But there's a very good chance that Justin Jefferson develops that rapport and is at least the wide receiver 1B to Adam Thielen's 1A. I think you're going to get consistent production from Justin Jefferson in year one as well as Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager is already lining up with the first-team offense. Alshon Jeffrey's hurt. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is hurt. Dallas Goddard is hurt. Miles Sanders is hurt. Everybody's hurt on Philadelphia except the young stud wide receiver that they drafted in the first round out of TCU. Why Why not Rager in year one as the wide receiver one for the Philadelphia Eagles? Those are two wide receivers that I strongly believe have a shot at finishing inside the top 24 in fantasy points per game and in their overall scoring for the 2020 season. Rager is primed to be the wide receiver one for that team in year one. And Justin Jefferson is going to see significant target volume in Minnesota, even though they don't throw the ball a whole ton. And then the running backs, we we don't even need to talk about it. It's Clyde Edwards-Elair, right? He's already being drafted in the first round. Damn near first round of seasonal leagues. First, second round in dynasty startups. You're not fading him. And the more that time passes, the more that we go on and on with, with training camp and the reports from Indianapolis... You're going to have to get Jonathan Taylor in round three. I was comfortable literally a week ago. I was saying round five would be where I'd feel really comfortable drafting Jonathan Taylor. Marlon Mack is still there and he's going to be heavily involved in the offense. And it may not be until 2021 that we see JT take over that feature back role. Yeah, I'm kind of walking that back a little bit. And right now, if I'm drafting mid third, back into the third round in seasonal leagues, 100% would smash the button on Jonathan Taylor. I think it's a matter of just, it's it's truly just a matter of time before he is the primary ball car- carrier in Indianapolis. And let me say this. This is not an uh, an indictment on Marlon Mack. It just so happens that Marlon Mack was the unfortunate soul of the 32 teams that got Jonathan Taylor in the 2020 NFL draft. Because I do believe that Marlon Mack is a talented running back. When he's on the field and he's healthy, I think he still was a little bit misused in the receiving game. Uh, coming into USF in college, he was a wide receiver, converted wide receiver to running back. So we know he can catch the ball, but he sort of didn't have an opportunity to do that in Indy. He's not a bad running back, but he's not fucking Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is just... He's ridiculous. He's on another stratosphere as far as the talent of him carrying the ball and what he can do with the ball in his hands. And again, unfortunate for Marlon Mack, he just got JT'd, man. And he got JT'd. And now I am truly in the belief that Jonathan Taylor, by midway through the season, is the future prime, future ball carrier for the Colts. So there are a ton of rookies this year that I think could give you some boom weeks. You know, we didn't even get to the Jerry Judys of the world or Cam Akers. Like DeAndre Swift is already being compared to the Alvin Kamara of that Detroit Lions backfield. I think it's going to be a glorious year for rookies. Uh, This is going to be really, really exciting. So uh, to answer your question, I'm swimming against stream with a lot of the rookies in the fade all rookies narrative. It ain't applying for me in 2020. So this question comes from my man this time around over on Discord are there any guys in the Big Ten or Pac-12 that you will staunchly hold high despite not playing this year? I guess the assumption is that the conferences playing will get a boost provided they show up and improve, right? So yeah, right now in in the last show that I put out, the the blasphemous Big Ten backpedal, I do think that Ohio State or a couple of those teams inside of the Big Ten or the whole entire conference is going to weasel out of their public proclamation that they were opting out of false sports and somehow find a way to get those guys on the football field this fall. We have not heard anything from the Pac-12 regarding the same thing. So the players that I'm going to hold high, regardless if they play or not, they're the big name guys, right? It's Rondell Moore. It's Justin Fields. It's players like Amin Ross St. Brown and Rashad Bateman. Because their analytical profile already hit those thresholds, they've got a higher likelihood of hitting. They broke out. They had an early breakout age. They hit the market share thresholds. They've already already shown what they can do out of the backfield as runners. They've shown what they can do as quarterbacks. Justin Fields, 40 touchdowns to one interception. There's nothing that these guys could not do that would have me bump them down uh, and elevate inferior players over the talented guys that they are. So, you know, regardless if the Big Ten players play or not, I, I believe that those that were already held in high regard, and I'm talking about the elite prospects, the Moore, the Batemans, the Friar Muse, the Fields, the St. Browns, of the world those guys are safe I will not move them in my rankings Rondell Moore is my wide receiver one will continue to be my wide receiver one until there is some other piece of evidence or information that suggests the contrary so I don't need to see anything else from some of those guys What I talked about in in the last episode, it's just really unfortunate for the players who really needed this season to stand out. You know, the CJ Verdells of the world, Tyler Vons, we talked about Max Borgie, even talked about Journey Brown to a certain degree. It's really unfortunate if those guys don't end up playing this year, how they're almost forced to come back for a 2021 season. And we talked about this uh, in, in the Discord community. There's no guarantee that things get better in 2021. You would hope that with the length of time between now and 2021 season, that institutions and the NCAA will figure out a way to put safeguards and measures in place to protect these guys because COVID, the virus isn't going away. It, it's not It's not just like, hey, yo, I'm here chilling for 2020. And, and in 2021, I'm a bounce and go back to wherever the hell I can from. No, it's here. So we've got to find a way to adapt to this. We've got to find a way to be safe, protect ourselves as individuals, protect those players, protect those students. So when you're talking about the guys in those conferences, uh I don't need to see them play. I don't I don't need to see those elite guys play anymore. It's just really unfortunate for the players who did need this season to improve their draft stock. All right. This next question comes from Lane dynasty question for you. What are your thoughts on Antonio Gibson and or Bryce love now that guys has been cut. And there was a report today uh, that uh, two women have alleged that Darius guys raped them while at S, uh, LSU during his freshman season. I believe um, you know that, that just dropped today, August the 19th. And I, I will just say, it's this is this is not looking good for Darius guys in any way shape or form. I think at this point us thinking about his fantasy value, should you buy, sell or hold. I think that is the most uh, irrelevant conversation to have right now. It's not important the safety of women, the safety of students is paramount and if this guy has been out there Doing things like that, rape, domestic violence, physical assault, physical abuse, if these things are in fact substantiated. I just, I don't even want to say his name. I don't want to see him. I don't want to look at him. Uh, And I will not discuss. Darius Geis on this pod. And I know that wasn't your question lane, but I just, because of that news that broke today, I did have to, to mention that. But as far as Antonio Gibson and or Bryce Love, Adrian Peterson's still there. And they brought Adrian Peterson back for a reason. Adrian Peterson, a day prior to Darius Geis's original, uh, I guess, arrest or when he turned himself in, AP said that he wanted to break Emmitt Smith's rushing record. So he must've knew that something was coming uh, and and it did the very next day it broke that guys turned himself in on on domestic violence allegations and you know he's they brought him back for a reason AP is going to be the thorn in both of these running back side if if I were going to bet on one of these players it would be Antonio Gibson I think he's the best fantasy bet out of that backfield as far as high end ceiling upside the floor is the basement I mean it's low I'm just not I'm not feeling Bryce Love I'm I'm not. I'm not feeling Bryce Love. I think he was more of a product. I know everybody will point to that 2,000-yard junior season where he probably should have won the Heisman Trophy that season. But Stanford, man, we see it every year. I mean, Toby Gearhart damn near won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love. I mean, it's just they run a pro-style offense with David Shaw. They line up three tight ends, and they play smash-mouth football in the Pac-12. So, I I'm not trying to diminish Bryce Love. I just think he's okay. And even if he pops here and there this year... He's not a player that's going to be a long-term fantasy staple, a dynasty staple in your backfield. You will never feel confident rolling out Bryce Love as an RB1 or RB2 on your team, but I do think Antonio Gibson gives you that type of potential and that type of upside in the future. Probably not in 2020. You'll probably get some splash weeks out of him, and if you happen to start him those weeks where he goes bonkers, kudos to you, hand clap. I think that will be a win, but long Long term, you know, I prefer Antonio Gibson in the long term. But the real kicker is I bet you Washington either trades, uh, signs Leonard Fournette in the offseason or drafts uh, a Najee Harris, a Travis Etienne. They're going to take a running back next year. Book it. Book it. Episode 65, book it. Washington will get a running back next season. AP will not be there. We'll know what we have in Antonio Gibson. We'll know what we have in Bryce Love. And I'm not concerned about Peyton Barber they will draft a running back in the second round of the 2021 NFL draft. So those are my thoughts. If, if if I had to pick one of those players, I want Gibson. His cost, now I'm seeing him drafted six round of startup drafts. I took him in the eighth in a startup draft. Uh, hopefully uh, that I can sell him on the high after he has a blow-up week, but I truly believe that Washington's running back of the future is not currently on the squad. All right, let's pivot back to the Debbie side of things. And a good question here from one of our newest patrons at Mark Kiefer K-I-E-F-F-E-R on Twitter. I hope I said your last name right, Mark. Mark says, when evaluating incoming college freshmen, what are some of the things you look at? Is the high school tape useful or do you really do you rely on the recruiting services more heavily then? So it's really difficult because of the different levels, the varying levels of competition in high school, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, 6A. I mean, the state of Texas alone, I mean, the the entire high school football playoffs is played at Dallas Cowboys Stadium and it's like a tournament. It is it is insane how many people fill up an NFL stadium for high school football from all different areas, from all different levels, 3A, 4A, 5A, 6A. So I think it's a combination of both. You look at the high school tape to see some of the traits. The problem is majority of these highly rated recruits, they are far in a way the best players on the field and you can see it immediately right like when you go literally go back and look at Derrick Henry's high school highlight tape go look at what uh, Jake Smith from the University of Texas was doing to those people in Arizona I, it, it, it really just doesn't look fair so when I'm looking at the high school films it's just sort of to see the traits right is he explosive is he is he fast is he powerful does he go up and catch the ball does he create some sort of separation at the high school level. And then I really rely on some of the uh, the, the camps, the combines that they have, the openings. I've actually been a, I've actually been a, uh, not a participant, but I've actually been a spectator at one of the opening finals out here in Texas at Fris- in Frisco. And when you see players like DeMond Demas, when you see these players on the field with other All-Americans, you know, participating in one-on-one drills, participating in team and the seven-on-seven competitions are really fun. That's when you really can get a good idea of where this player stacks up amongst, peers uh, of the same caliber so it's a little bit of a little bit of that Um, those those recruiting services and the the comparisons that they make they do a good job I I will never come on here and disparage anybody's hard work I know they put in the time they put in the work but I just the comps are just a little crazy to me Um, I won't say which recruiting service I prefer to use but they're a little crazy to me so with the incoming freshmen uh, you know you, you take their overall rating because if they are a higher five-star recruit, they're probably going to get an opportunity and a chance to play. And then we'll see what happens after that. It's a little bit of everything. You just want to see them play. The sooner you can get on the field as an incoming freshman, the better your chances of actually breaking out are, and the better your chances of of becoming something uh, fantasy relevant in the future. Question from Utah Ash 21, which 2021 NFL prospects have the most to lose by no football this season? Seems like there are a ton of guys I wanted to see more from. Journey Brown, and then some guys finally getting a shot that could that could have played their way into the draft. Miles Brennan, quarterback, LSU, plenty of others. Just curious as to which prospects stand to be affected the most. I would say it's those fringy guys that had performed. I wouldn't say Miles Brennan, you know, because he really hadn't done anything whatsoever. So he's still kind of black box prospect, but it's the guys that you mentioned. It's Journey Brown, it's a player like uh CJ Verdell. It's a player like Max Borgie. It's a player like Kenneth Gainwell, Tamarion Terry, Chris Olave. It's those caliber of players who really kind of flashed, right? They popped a little bit. They popped a little lot of bit, but we want to really see them elevate that game and take it a step forward here in the 2020 season. It's not the Chuba Hubbards of the world, right? It's those fringy players, Kyle Trask, I say that name a lot, Mac Jones. Those are players who need to play and some of the guys that I mentioned, they're not going to get a chance to play. And honestly, we don't know what's going to happen this college football season. Yes, we are going to get a start of a season, but we've already seen institutions across the country shutting down days into the semester to think that these players, that these 18 to 22 year old kids are going to stay in their room and not hang out with friends and not go to fraternity parties and not mingle with females is asinine. It's at, think about when you were 18, when somebody tells you not to do something, that is the key to go do what they just told you not to go do. Don't hang out with girls. Shit. I'm sneaking her in tonight. I'm going over there later. Oh, that y'all are having to get together. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll wear my mask. Uh, they're, they're 18 to 19-year-old kids. We've all been there. I don't know how they finish. NFL evaluators are still going to draft to Mario Terry. He's 6'4", 220 pounds and runs a 4 40 yard dash. He's still getting drafted. I think it's just going to be a lot of blind faith. It's going to be a lot of relying on incomplete analytics, incomplete stats, incomplete metrics. You know, Jarrett Patterson, I have yet to talk about him. He was named preseason by Walter Camp, first team All American, at the running back position. The MAC, no MAC football. Jarrett Patterson at 1,800 rushing yards last year, and he is one of those players that I've comp to Devin Singletary. He's a more athletic version of Devin Singletary. We needed to see Jarrett Patterson smash again. Jarrett Patterson probably was going to be a third-round pick late, late second at his highest. If he doesn't play this year, I mean, he's going to have to wow at the combine in order to, to get maybe that second day 2 draft capital. So I think there are a ton of players who are hurt and I think what this is going to do is force some guys to come back for their senior season. I wouldn't even be surprised if we saw some seniors grad transfer redshirt grad transfer to try to get one more season under their belt. It hurts somebody if 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 Georgia doesn't finish the season, it hurts Jamie Newman. We we need to see Brock Purdy Purdy play this year. So I think there are uh, it's across the board. Put it this way, outside of the top guys, and when you're asking, well, who are the top guys, the ones you can just rattle off the top of your damn head, you know who the top guys are. Outside of the top guys, everybody is affected. All of them, especially if this season does not continue uh, throughout. And and isn't it already? We're talking about a season. Haven't they already limited to conference play, regardless if we play or if, if they play or not? It's listen. All I can advise you is stay locked in with the people that you trust for these upcoming rookies. That's me and that's whatever other individuals you trust as far as prospect evaluations, you need to be plugged into them more than you need to be plugged into Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper. And I'm just saying it like that. You gotta be in tune with the people who have been telling you about these guys for two and three years now, because once rookie draft season comes around, it's gonna be a lot of copy-paste rankings, a lot of crazy stuff going on, and they will have you Get an F in your rookie drafts. Trust me. Pay attention to the people who have been paying attention. It is more critical now than ever. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. And with NFLSundayTicket.tv... You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite sports team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, so next question comes from my man Clown. That's his Discord name. He's got this creepy-ass-looking clown as a profile picture. I hate clowns, but this is a good question. Do you think it is time the NFL lower their age limit, perhaps the two years removed from high school? With the hashtag WeAreUnited attacking the college establishment, could we see a similar move against the NFL's age limit? The recent opt-outs could be something we see going forward from players with a year left to draft eligibility. Will the players attempt to cut out the middleman that is the third year out of high school? Twitter handle at Dogtown Dynasty. That's his Twitter handle. There we go. Dogtown Dynasty, baby. I like that a lot better than Clown. This is um, this is a very, very complicated question and a hard question to answer. The NFL, it's grown men out there, man. It is grown men. And I think a part of the reason why it's the three years removed from high school is you know, you graduated 18, 19, 20, 21, 21 years old, 20 years old, you're entering the NFL draft. You're more developed into that young man role. I mean, it's it's different than than Major League Baseball. It's different than the NBA. I mean, you can have in, in the NBA, literally, you can have a 15-year-old hooping against 30-year-olds. Like we've seen it. When you look at the ball brothers, like LaMelo Lamello Ball, the youngest of the Ball Brothers, he was out there hooping with Lonzo Ball and Jordan Clarkson and I mean you can you can do that I don't care how good you are at 15, you're not getting on the field with Calais Campbell and Deion Jones and and, and players like that and taking blows from those guys. So you've got to be more developed. I think more so than anything, I think players realize the power that they have. And I do believe that in the next couple of years, the NCAA may be completely dismantled. They are not handling this COVID situation well at all. They've already uh, lost some pretty big cases. Uh, The O'Bannon case, player likeness, uh, them being able to uh, earn a living off of their age. If one of these other ancillary football leagues, the XFL, the AAF, if if one of those things could actually work as a pipeline uh, to sort of bypass the, the collegiate side, I think there are some things that could happen. But the NFL has been very strong on their stance that the college side, that has nothing to do with us. We're doing what we want. This is our rule, has nothing to do with the cut. Co- like they've been pretty hard fast on all of that stuff. And every time that we've seen a player try to challenge uh, an NCA rule, we saw it with Maurice Claret, we saw it with Mike Williams. It just has not, it has not ended well for those players. But uh, with, with athletes really understanding the voice and the power that they do have, It could. Maybe. I just don't see the big difference between two years removed and three. If anything, if anything, what I could see happening is what if a player smashed as a true freshman, smashed as a sophomore and then took a red shirt as a junior? Like, and that's that's a long stretch, right? Or You come in in red shirt, a la like a Chuba Hubbard who red shirted as a freshman. You play two seasons. So you only got two seasons of wear and tear on you. And then you declare as a red shirt sophomore. This is a great question. And I think this is an actual show. But right now, as it stands, I don't see the NFL changing that because they don't want to be the organization that's liable for breaking kids apart right for having these potentially I mean in some cases you look at Brian Edwards he would have been what 19 years old it it, it after in two years removed from high school in the NFL, I just don't think they want those liability problems, the NFL. So at least three years removed, they've, they've developed, we've given them time to mature. And this is, you know, they, they assume the risk by playing in the NFL. At this point in time, I can't see that, but it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out here in the next four or five years. All right. So the last question I'm going to combine to one from a man, Sanford on discord. Sanford's Twitter handle is at Jimmy L E W at Jimmy 55 on Twitter. And another one from Jester three, eight, eight, both regarding 2022 prospects. So Jester says for the teams that don't play this year, does it change your view at all on the 2022 guys? And then Sanford says best 2022 QB. What is it about Slovis that you have him over Sam Howell? The 2022 guys that don't play this year, it really doesn't change my view at all because they are... Probably, you know, they've got another year to play anyway. All the 2022 guys, they've got another year to play anyway. It stinks that we don't get to see that sophomore kind of breakout season that we would have liked to have seen. You know, players like a David Bell. You know, that's that's a big one that's affected. Garrett Wilson, uh, CJ Johnson out of ECU. But it really won't change a lot for me because they will have one more season of competition. So hopefully they come back strong. David Bell no Rondell Moore. He'll be the guy. Garrett Wilson will see what happens with Ohio State and then some of the younger guys out of USC. And that leads me to the quarterbacks and the 2022 crop of quarterbacks it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good, especially at the top with Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis. And right now, Keaton Slovis is my quarterback one. What that guy was able to do coming in off the bench is the third string quarterback for the USC Trojans was phenomenal. He's deadly accurate. He's got enough pocket mobility to escape and avoid pressure. He is not going to beat you with his legs. He is not a dual threat mobile quarterback, but his ball distribution, the way that he progresses through his reads and his touch and accuracy, that's what sort of has, he seems like a better decision maker earlier in his career. Sam Howell is you, can, you watch him play. He's gunslinger mentality. The fact that he was rated or he was categorized as a dual threat quarterback is ridiculous. And if you watch the first game of North Carolina versus South Carolina in the 2019 season, they kept trying to run read options with him. And he was just getting his ass slung around left and right. He's not a dual threat quarterback. He does have pocket mobility. He's got an halitzer of an arm. But his decision-making, he's got to get better with making the correct reads, which he should do that. He should take a step forward. But if he plays and Keaton Slovis doesn't, that gives How a little more oomph behind his name. And the last time that we saw Sam Howell on the field versus Temple, he put on an absolute clinic. If you guys want to just watch a clinic throwing the ball, go check out North Carolina, the condensed game, North Carolina versus Temple in the bowl game. Sam Howell, just that's when I thats when I fell in love. Like, I really liked them after they almost beat Clemson. I fell in love that bowl game versus Temple, but Slovis' accuracy, his decision making, the way that he processes reads—that's what I like uh, uh, about Slovis, and it's just a tad more. Like they're both tier one uh, quarterback prospects, but you would be in good hands with either Keaton Slovis or Sam Howe. Both of those guys are going to be first round picks. My only concern about Slovis is he does have a little bit of a concussion history, so want to make sure that uh, all of that checks out well. But Keaton Slovis is my quarterback one, and the non-season for the 2022 guys doesn't change too much because a lot of the guys that we're kind of on right now, the David Bells, the the CJ Johnsons of the world, they already kind of broke out as freshmen, which is great. You produce as a freshman. I'm not going to hold your lack of the sophomore season against you. Go out there, smash in 2020, 2021 in your junior season and continue to get drafted high and we'll take you in our dynasty startups. One last piece of news that I did not touch upon, but Grant Calcaterra is returning to college football. Grant Calcaterra was my tight end one in the 2020 class prior to the season. He retired from football midway through the season or a couple of games in something like that. But he is unretired. He retired. It was uh, supposedly due to medical things with concussions if Grant Calcaterra was in the 2020 draft, he would have been the first tight end drafted. He probably would have gone in the second round with the potential to go sneak into the back end of the first round. That's how talented of a receiving tight end Calcaterra is. Right now, he is my tight end four overall in Devi. I've moved him ahead of Charlie Kohler, the big tight end out of Iowa State. So he's right behind the big three of Friar Muth, Pitts, and Jordan. He's a tier two tight end prospect for me, but if he checks out medically... If Calcaterra checks out medically and he's good to go, he's going to transfer from OU. He's gonna he's going to add some more oomph to that beautiful looking tight end class. And as abysmal as it was for us in 2020, it is looking absolutely. juicy for 2021. So Grant Calcaterra, be on the lookout for him. Just drafted him in the C2C league. I was fortunate enough to be on the clock when that news broke. So I went ahead and drafted Grant Calcaterra. It's going to be fun. 2021 tight ends are dope. Appreciate all the questions from my patrons. If you're listening and you want to be a part of this, I'm telling you, try it out for a month. What's seven bucks? What's three dot? Try it out for a month. I promise you the value that you will gain inside of this community. The conversations, it is invaluable. It will help you be a better Devi and Dynasty player. Check us out, patreon.com forward slash all gas. I appreciate you rocking out with me. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a positive weekend. Do something great. If there's something you've been on the fence about, God damn it, lace them up and go get it. Let's do this together. Hustle, motivate, be great, strive for greatness. Let's go. We got it, baby. I'm rambling, man. Drop the music.